Hello everybody and welcome to episode 80 of Near Perfect Pitch. Yep, 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 it's time for episode 80 and I have got an array of new releases to be reckoned with here and I shall start by telling you what they are, shall I? We've got new material forthcoming by Celestial North, Boy Azuga, Dirty Laces, The Old Pink House, new stuff by Mogwai. We've got uh, something by GDNS, which I believe is pronounced Gardens. Could be wrong. A Horde of Rand, we've got something new by them, as we have from uh, Room in the World and The Shipbuilders, amongst others, including John Mouse. We have got our Essential Wax, our Weekly Peel, our Obligatory Fall, our, our Cover Me and Tinterweb Time, which is the norm on Near Perfect Pitch. And I can tell you that this episode, episode 80, is brought to you by Tony Gray, Burning Ferns, The Fig Roll, Dave Mosey, London Plain, and the Kransekake, which is a Norwegian biscuit, or cake, or derivative, if you like. And you can surmise from that that I'm going to be chatting with uh, Tony from Burning Ferns later in the programme, as I am going to be talking to David from London Plain, both talking about their new LPs. Lots of fun stuff. And I think I'll kick things off this week with a little bit of hookworms. But before I do, I can let you know what else you can expect to hear that I think I'm possibly going to get to as I look at the stack of records and CDs I've got here. Uh, we've got some Adam and the Ants coming up. We have got um, 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 some something by The Hold Steady, Loch Ness Mouse, uh, Pear Ubu, amongst loads and loads of others. Um, nearperfectpitch.com if you want to point someone in that direction. Uh, and as I ask, I'm actually asking at the beginning of the programme as opposed to the end, which I'll ask anyway at the end as well. But uh, do, please, I am implore you and impel you to uh, recommend the programme to somebody who has similar consummate musical tastes such as yours. Now, as I mentioned, I'm going to be playing some hookworms from this amazing, amazing latest and greatest LP. And uh, the track concerned is Ullswater.
from 1991's Overrising EP. That's the Charlatans, of course, with uh, Happen to Die. And that was preceded by, from Leeds and Halifax, that's Hookworms off their third LP, Microshift, very, very recently released. And it is a stellar, stellar LP. And we heard All's Water, two songs into episode 80 of Near Perfect Pitch. And I can tell you some more of the stuff you can expect to hear as I reach for some stuff over my shoulder here. Some uh, Nedatomic Dustbin, uh, some spoons, possibly some sports guitar, some Stereo Lab, uh, some Captain America. And I fumble uh, to my right once more to uh, pull out some, uh, well, actually Primal Scream is our uh, essential wax, and uh, possibly some uh, some stuff by the Bible, and a couple of soundtracky things I'd like to share with you. Uh, can you hear that drone in the background? I've got this uh, band in the adjacent studio. I haven't got this band. There is a band in the adjacent studio making a terrible racket. And uh, the sound is bleeding despite it's supposed to be soundproof in here. So uh, if you do hear some residual uh, nonsense uh, that isn't me, which it usually is, uh, it's not. It's coming from the adjacent studio from uh, this ramshackle band who are uh, doing their thing right next to me. Up next, off their brand new and debut full length, we've got an outfit called Celestial North. And here's a song called Hey Volva.
from 1991. That's their debut release. That's Curve from the Blindfold EP released on Anxious Records. And that's 10 Little Girls, Dean Garcia and Tony Halliday doing what they do best. They were an outfit to be reckoned with. And before that, from Scotland, of a brand new and debut full length, that is the wonderful Celestial North. And uh, that is the voice of Victoria Wood. And it also features uh, the drummer from British Sea Power, Woody. And I'm hoping to get her on the programme and to be playing more material by them. Celestialnorth.bankcamp.com to find out and keep in touch with what is going on in Victoria's world. Now, next up, from Liverpool, there's a double A-side brand new release by the shipbuilders entitled Fault Line, with the B-side being Wild Atlantic Way. Here's Fault Line. Take 
Hallelujah. God bless Les Paul. Indeed, I actually echo that sentiment. This week, in a week where Gibson, the guitar manufacturer, of course, they filed for bankruptcy. And uh, a lot of people are, uh, are very worried because uh, they make and procure the, uh, the finest guitars on God's green earth. Anyway, they've gone to liquidation. And um, what has been promised is that uh, the Consumer Electronics Division will be, uh, well, It'll be done, essentially. I'm going to concentrate on what they're good at. Uh, so uh, I understand from uh, the reading that I've done this week that uh, the liquidity necessary to, to make this uh, possible for the operations to proceed is in place. Uh, this $135 million of debt is is being sorted out. So anyway, I, I thought I'd play that. God bless Les Paul. And um, that is by Captain America from their self-titled EP from 1991 on Paperhouse Records, one of two releases as Captain America on Paperhouse Records before they're forced to change their name to Eugenius by virtue of that uh, litigious uh, comic book uh, lawsuit, Thingy Bob, which uh, I've gone into in the past, in past shows, actually, when um, they were uh, the essential wax feature as Eugenius with their name change. So that was uh, God Bless Les Paul by Captain America, preceded by from their new double-A side, Faultline, Wild Atlantic Way, Liverpool's The Shipbuilders with Faultline. And if you want to find out, find out more, rather, soundcloud.com slash The Shipbuilders, or you can go to May 68 Records, that's M-A-I-6-8, as in digits, records.bandcamp.com. New single by Cardiff's Boy Azuga, essentially, Davey Newington. He's good, and here's Jerry. <laughs>
title track to 1980s Kings of the Wild Frontier. Oh, look, listen, you can hear that band in the background, can't you? Quite readily. Um, anyway, Adam and the Ants, title track to 1980s Kings of the Wild Frontier, their second LP. Can you hear that? Oh, it's doing my head in. And before that, brilliant from the boy Azuga. Now, that uh, is essentially Davy Newington, who's just been signed to Heavenly Records, by the way. And uh, he did operate once as an outfit called Bongo Fury, which was around for a couple of years. Uh, he was also um, the drummer in Charlotte Church's band, The Late Night Pop Dungeon. And uh, now he's out on his own with Boy Azuga. And Jerry is really indicative of his songwriting talents. That is a fine, fine tune. And I do expect more of the same from him. Again, Davy Newington, a.k.a. Boy Azuga. Next up... After we've just had Adam and the Ants, I thought we'd play some Mogwai, which is completely unrelated. Donuts is their new single, and it's taken from their uh, motion picture soundtrack uh, for the forthcoming film Kin, which is coming out uh, this summer. It's sci-fi crime drama uh, and is released in its uh, musical format. I'm not sure when the actual film comes out, but the, uh, the soundtrack itself is out on uh, August the 31st. So let's hear Donuts, shall we? Mogwai.
Mogwai with Donuts. That is from the forthcoming original motion picture soundtrack for the film Kin, a sci-fi crime drama, which is out uh, in the summer. And the soundtrack itself comes out on the 31st of August. So brand new stuff by our chums, Mogwai. That was a delightful all six minutes plus of it. Can you hear that band? Honestly, it really is doing my head in. Uh, I'm hoping that it's not... Uh, it's not sort of permeating in, into your uh, into your sort of oral soundscape, but it's really doing my head in. Any road, um, being that we played a soundtrack tune, I thought I'd uh, have a quick fire brace, a soundtrack TV brace of sorts, starting with the prisoner. <laughs>
How boss is that? That is the theme tune to the professionals as uh, recorded in 1980 and from a single that was released in 1997. That's uh, Laurie Johnson's London Big Band, in case you wanted to know. And before that, uh, a Freeman mix of uh, the theme tune to The Prisoner, which was released in 1990 by uh, Fab featuring MC number six. That's a nice TV soundtrack brace to follow the Mogwai soundtrack tune. Let's keep thematic and let's get another feature out of the way, shall we? It's cover me time. Time for uh, this week's cover version of the week from New York City, Fountains of Wayne, from their 2005 compilation, Out of State Plates. This is the only place you can get this particular track. Have a listen. Oh, baby, baby, how was I supposed to know That something wasn't right here Oh, baby, baby, I shouldn't have let you go And now you're out of sight, yeah Show me how you want it to be Tell me, baby Cause I need to know Because my loneliness is killing me I must confess, I still believe When I'm not with you, I lose my mind Give me a sign Give me a 
Stereolab with the title track to 1994's Wow and Flutter EP on Duophonic Records, also on uh, Mars Audio Quintet, the LP from the same year. Before that, New York City's Fountains of Wayne with uh, a wonderful rendition of Britney's Baby One More Time, and that can be only found on 2005's Virgin Comp, Out of State Plates. Time for a hat trick now, where you get a reprieve from my voice. Going to play three in a row, and I think, well, two of the three are going to be new releases, starting with this one by The Old Pink House.
so ends our hat trick with Manchester's Dirty Laces. Facebook.com slash Dirty Laces Band. That is the hypnotist, brand new stuff, and expect big things from them. There is a lot of buzz uh, from the area about this band who haven't recorded an awful lot, but have been gigging themselves silly, and uh, all reports say keep your eye on... Well, not your eye, you've got two, haven't you? Keep your eyes on Dirty Laces. Before that... Ned Stomach Dustbin from 91 from their WLP Godfodder, and that is an LP track called Cut Up. Before that, Jaded from the Old Pink House from Newcastle upon Tyne, theoldpinkhouse.co.uk. They are a lovely, lovely band, and uh, Jaded is a track very representative of their sound. So if you do like it, again, theoldpinkhouse.co.uk. We are halfway through the musical content, which is rather good. Why don't we start the second half with something by the Loch Ness Mouse?
That's John Mouse with Outer Space off his fifth studio album entitled Addendum. And uh, he's released a load of records uh, in addition to his soundtrack work. He's a very talented chap, and I thought that song really stood out. I uh, got the album last week, and I can't stop playing that particular tune. Again, Outer Space by John Mouse. Before that, something else kind of mouse-like, the Loch Ness Mouse title track to Friends and Fenders, the EP from 2003. Of course, Friends and Fenders. Before that, of course, we had our hat trick. Next, our obligatory fall R track this week is Susan versus Youth Club. Susan had an accident reverted back to age 16 Went down to the youth club in a mirror looked and started to
from Bradford. GDNS or Gardens, I'm not quite sure. I'll eventually get to the end of that mystery. Roulette Love Gun. Find out more about this band at soundcloud.com slash GRDNS band. Before that, it was time for our obligatory full art track and we went uh, to 2002 for the uh, Susan versus Youth Club single and that is the title track that we just heard. Next up, we haven't heard any Pear Ubu for a long, long time, have we? <laughs>
all eight minutes of a track entitled Holes by a Horde of Rand. That's the work of Rand Johnson from Texas. I was speaking to him earlier, um, actually in the week, and he was saying how incredibly painful it was to write this track. A lot of personal stuff going on, and uh, it was uh, it was a process, and he's very happy with it, and it's went through several renditions, so I want to share that with you. Again, Holes by a Horde of Rand, soundcloud.com slash a horde, spelled H-O-R-D-E of Rand, R-A. ND. That was preceded by um, the live version of a single uh, by Per Ubu that originally came out in 1988 and featured on their Tenement Year LP, their sixth LP. Uh, this rendition actually appears on Apocalypse Now, their third live album from 1999. And that uh, is a classic called We Have the Technology. Getting really, really close to the end of the programme. Got to squeak a bunch of things in feature-wise before we get into the two interviews, specifically with uh, with Tony from Burning Ferns and uh, David from London Plain. You, you're in for a treat again, two, two very, very talented gentlemen with uh, lots to say. And uh, they are very interesting indeed, so stay tuned for that that is forthcoming. What have I queued up next? Oh yes, it's time for our, uh, our Peel track, our Essential Peel, our Weekly Peel, our John Peel track of the week.
That's magnificent. That's Primal Scream. And that is one of two tracks you're going to hear off their album, which is our essential wax this week, which is Sonic Flower Groove from 1987 on Warner Music. But before we get into more detail with regards to our essential wax LP, I can tell you that the Peel session that we heard prior to Imperial by Primal Scream was Lush from 1990, from January the 23rd, 1990, with Breeze. Now, Let's go back to Primal Scream, shall we? This record was their debut LP. 
it was uh, actually kind of panned when it came out and uh, didn't do awfully well by by major label standards only reached uh, number 62 in the charts it did spawn two singles one of which i've just played for you imperial and also uh, gentle tuesday it was produced by mayo thompson and colin fairley although clive langer did produce the song i just played imperial and uh, after all the bad press and uh, all the all the grief that they received it forced a bit of a rethink whereby bobby gillespie who was originally the drummer for uh, jesus and mary chain he and andrew innes and robert throb young separated themselves and uh, reformed the band as it were and they were promptly signed to creation records by alan mcgee to release their second album which was self-titled which then led to their third record screamer delica and the rest as they say is history next song we're going to hear silent spring Stood back and 
there you have it. That is brand new stuff from Liverpool by The Room in the Wood. Magical Thinking, their new EP, and there is promise of a full length around the corner. They've got 30 songs written, apparently. And uh, if you want to find out more about them, theroominthewood.bandcamp.com. I like what I hear, and I'm looking forward to see what, uh, what the full length brings. Before that... Primal Scream with Silent Spring, our second of two tracks of our Essential Wax LP this week. Sonic Flower Groove from 1987. What's up next? This is... Living in 
with a title track to their just about released WLP. That's New York Howl by London Plain. I'm going to be hearing two more songs by them. And I'm also going to be chatting with David in uh, the next five minutes or so. But before I get more into London Plain, I'll let you know what we heard before we heard New York Howl. We heard Toronto's The Spoons with their second single from 1982. Yeah. And it featured on their WLP, Arias and Symphonies. That was Nova Heart. And that is an absolute diamond of a track that did little outside Canada. Uh, I think if it had the right promotion, it could have been a worldwide mega hit. Actually, I think that uh, The Spoons themselves, if they had the right management, could have really broken down some borders it's too late for that now but you can rediscover their music it's readily available and again the spoons from toronto with nova heart their second single let's go back to new york howell and specifically david mosey going to be talking to him uh, momentarily he's chosen three songs for me to play one of which i already have done the title track to uh, the forthcoming lp new york howell here's roxanne
another track by the fantastic London Plane. That is Roxanne. And it's time for me now to talk to David, who, uh, when I was speaking with him, he was in the, the sunny climes of Florida, uh, although he lives in New York. So I'm uh, wondering if he's back in the cold right now because I spoke to him just last weekend. Um, coming up next, after the interview, you're going to hear one more song by, uh, by London Plane. But uh, before that, let's have a little chit-chat, shall we? David, it's Dara from Near Perfect Pitch. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, I didn't catch you unawares, did I? No, no, I, uh, I got out of town for the weekend. Uh, I'm in South Florida sitting in a park, but I, I didn't expect the phone number from New York. I thought that somebody's going to be getting a call from Right. Yeah. Well, it's 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 a Google. It's a Google uh, number, which is a New York oh, number. Yeah. Well, you're remarkably uh, clear considering you're sitting in a park in Florida. I'm remarkably what? Clear. The signal's very clear. Oh, clear. I'm in. Uh, I should be. I'm in the middle of Miami, so I hope that the reception's okay. Yeah, it, it is. It is. So, so with that, um, it's great to be talking to you, and also. Uh, I'd like to congratulate you on, uh, on on the debut record, which has been uh, a long time in the making. It must be a palpable relief. It, I would say it's a relief. Then, you know, the question's also, what happens next? So, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of time to, uh, to enjoy it. Um, but that's, uh, I think that's kind of just the... Uh, uh, it's the personality behind, uh, behind this kind of thing. It's, it's always tended to be that way, I think. But it was a long time in the making, and a lot happened during the recording process. You know, the band went through. There was a there was death. There was there were cancer verdicts. There were there was divorce, and and so in that way, I would say there was there's a lot of relief. And we got through it, and we managed to create something that was better. Wow! Um, by all of those, all of those hurdles, if I can call them that. Well, I think you're being. I think. Uh, I don't. I don't know if hurdles apply. I mean, these are cataclysmic things that you've had to contend with. Um, you know, death, cancer, and divorce. It's uh, doesn't doesn't get more heavy than that, really, does it? No, uh, I, I and I hope it doesn't get that heavy again. Well, I hope so too. I hope for everybody's sake that, that it's coming threes and that's it. Exactly. I, I think I think we're through it, and um, and we're uh, the band is is better for it actually, and we've never had more fun than we're having now. And I fully expect, like I said, we're already looking forward to the next thing, which is well underway, and I fully expect it to be even better than what we've already produced. Oh, blam! You've already answered about three of my questions in one fell swoop, there, David. So, so we haven't even we haven't even begin begun to to, to address the first record, which is uh, which is a wonderful piece of work that, that I've been lucky enough to listen to uh, several times over over the course of the last few days. And um, both both the singles uh, Roxanne and uh, New York Hal are on, are on the self-titled debut. Um, I understand that, that you're in the studio for nine months to put the LP together. That sounds about right. I would say that mixing itself took another four or five 
Wow. Okay. Um, and it, you know, it, like I said, it, because of, of some of the obstacles, uh, we tended to record and write, for that matter, first. Right. So, but I don't. I, I, I actually think the album's better for it. I don't. I don't find it to be too terribly disjointed. And I think, despite, um, despite that, despite that we were in and out, you know, depending on depending on what was going on in our personal lives, but we still managed to create something that seems holistic and. Um, well, it seems cohesive. So was, it seems yeah. very cohesive, and I'm not just saying that just to, to, to satiate you. Uh, it does seem like a complete body of work, and uh, I mean, to you, obviously, being as subjective as it could possibly get, and experientially, you know, being being you know, put through the ringer the last uh, year or so, uh, you're obviously going to have a different slant on things. But to to, to the uninitiated, i.e., the listener like me, it, it's a uh, it's a complete body of work. So uh, you, you managed to succeed in that department despite all these challenges. Uh, I think there's probably a, probably a better word out there to describe the horrendous amount of uh, uh, hurdles that you've had chucked in front of you. But um, can you draw breath now, look at this, and it seems to me that you've already been creating and have an awful lot more written for, for uh, a sophomoric release. Is that fair to say, that you've got something pretty well written for something to follow this? Absolutely. But at the same time, the, the songs are, are more being written by the band as a whole. Okay. Um, whereas the last one, the, the songs tended to come from long hours you know, alone late at night, that kind of thing in the bedroom, which is totally, absolutely a cliche. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's <laughs> the best way to write a song. But at least there, the skeletons of the song uh, came from stems from that that kind of thing. You know. Yeah, yeah. The bedroom. Uh, the bedroom. Song, yeah. Yeah, a, a guitar on your lap with a bottle of wine. Yeah. But now they're now they're all coming from uh, from what we're calling. Uh, with you know tongue firmly in cheek, we're calling tequila twenty. <laughs> At the beginning of every rehearsal, we we uh, shoot a bunch of tequila and then we proceed to see what comes from it, and then settle down and get get into the rehearsal and um, and it's a bit more formal after that. But uh, <laughs> a lot of good, a lot of good stuff has come from these these little jams, and they uh, I think that they've that the songs have I've never written this way. I don't think any of us have, and. You know what, we have a, the drummer and the bassist are both classically trained, so there's really no reason why they shouldn't be, you know, they're traffic controllers, so to speak. They're yeah, trying, yeah. Trying the shot. They're, they're fabulous musicians, and I have, there's no reason why I should be writing the songs for that. <laughs> That's very big of you to say that. It really is. It sounds it sounds like a wonderful dynamic with the with, with the second record. Although you know, four track in a bedroom, as you say, is very cliche. But there's nothing wrong with that either. But just I would imagine it's just a part of the evolution of the dynamic of the of the uh, the six of you. Yeah, there's been a lot. Of, you can imagine a lot of trust has been formed and camaraderie through the recording of, of the last album, and and so. I think for this reason is why I expect these, the new batch of songs to be uh, more, um, perhaps perhaps more emotional, um, and, and that there are several of us putting our input, our, our emotional input into the into the way that the, the songs sound. Right. 
Could you could you tell us a little bit? Because I found I found this fascinating. It's something I didn't know until I dug a little bit deeper. But um, I didn't realise that um, the first album and its genesis was uh, was largely not largely but in part uh, influenced by by Joe, Joe McGinty. And, and those who don't know who Joe McGinty is, Joe's of the, of the psychedelic furs. And um, I understand that you met him. Uh, the Lurie tribute gig, and uh, that's how the relationship started with the first LP. Well, I, I met Cece, uh, the lead singer, backstage when right after Lurie died. Yeah. Uh, Joe, Joe was, had formed a, a tribute for him. Uh, it was only a week or two after he died, and we, she and I were both singing. And at about that time, I the, the idea for the album was was kind of forming in my mind and but I, I had an idea that I didn't want to do the singing myself that it would be I, there would be more flexibility in the songwriting if, if there were a young woman singing the song mm. and uh, and I, I I heard her sing and I thought well, she would be perfect for it but Joe and I met uh, years ago uh, I think it was Thanksgiving actually we were both on our own and uh, oh. in a bar in Williamsburg and I think there might have been only five or six people in this bar. And we happened to be sitting next to each other. Huh. And just started talking about about music. Um, and I remember feeling a little bit bitter. I was in a new city all alone. And, you know, I was sitting in a bar drinking beer as opposed to sitting at a Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, no turkey. That was, oh, what a drag. And I don't know if maybe Joe is going the same way, but uh, I was I was complaining about the music that was coming over the jukebox, and I I expressed to him that I was going to take my money out and go go to the jukebox and fill it up, fill it full of rocky music and psychedelic furs. Oh, there you go. And he said, of course, he said, well, I was in psychedelic furs, and we became quick friends. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not the kind of thing that happens every day. Um, he's also, I mean, he's also been in, been in a litany of other outfits, including, you know, he's even worked with the Ramones and, and uh, Kevin Ayers and, and, and Nada Surf. I mean, the, the, chap has, the chap has been around, so that must have been a huge boon for you. Yeah, he's a, he's a well-known downtown. He's uh, one, of the, kind of one of the last downtown teamsters, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, he's, he's played with everybody, and um, you know, for me, Joe is one of those guys where if if for, he would never leave New York, but if he ever left New York, then it might be okay for me to leave New York. <laughs> like I mean, New York is a New York is a uh, it, it's really represented in, by by people that are there, and if, if those few very important people who are emblems of the city. Are no longer there, then, then perhaps I don't much care to be there. Wow! So you need you need permission based upon his absence to, to actually leave New York. Sometimes <laughs> it feels. I think it probably feels that way more in the winter time, and I feel like leaving anyway. Oh crikey! You and me both. I mean, we live we both leaving the Easter, and uh, when it is February and it's and it's miserable and cold, yeah, you're thinking you're thinking of elsewhere. Most likely where you are right now, Miami. That sounds yeah. al always sounds good in February, doesn't yeah. it? Now, now you, 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 yeah, you, exactly. you, you work with Danny Taylor, and, and, and Danny Taylor is, uh, is pretty good at his craft, I'd have to say. Um, now, 
in working with Danny, uh, will you be retaining his services for the for the next record, or, or have you got uh, designs on something else? Well, I almost surely will record in his studio again, and and when we do, we pretty much give him free reign, which basically means he kind of by default becomes a producer. But yeah. he, we've been working together for years. Um, the first band I ever played in in New York, Danny was playing drums. Uh, that band was called Padre Pio after the uh, <laughs> Italian priest with the stigmata. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and so yeah, we've been we've been we've been working together more or less ever since. And um, I, he, I know that he's building a new studio now, and so I, I hope that London Plane is uh, one of the first bands to get to use it. Brilliant. Now it's a great collaboration. I'm so happy that you've got that dynamic, and you've got, you've certainly got some uh, some influential and talented friends in the right places. I'd have to say. I've been very lucky. Yes. Well, I, I, I don't. I wasn't. I wasn't suggesting for a second that it was luck. It's just you know, people gravitate to to other people by virtue of some incongruous energy that that we know we know little about. So, look, luck's only a part of it. Um, but, but on, on the first record, um, Jennifer Fraser was on, on the record. You had Mackenzie Stubbert on the record. You got uh, Brian Grew. Uh, even Christopher uh, Widom's on the record. For the second release, have you got any uh, sort of guest participants? I believe that it'll be the same crew. It'll it'll be Christopher. Uh, he's he's already lended. Uh, Lots, uh, lots of books. A lot of the songs are kind of built around, um, at least the new songs are built around his guitar parts. Right. Uh, well, I'm maybe something a little less sophisticated than we want comes out of a, a jam, but, but his guitar part is, is always sophisticated, and so we go back and we see if we can if we can match him. Right. I feel like that's, that's often the, the way it goes. But no, it'll be the same kind of chorus six with, with Danny in the studio, I think, and perhaps we'll even get Joe McGinty to pop in and play some keys. That would be outstanding, outstanding. Now, um, in terms of, uh, well, you're obviously taking some time off, well, you might not be, you might be there on business, uh, but uh, you're in Miami right now. When it comes to uh, taking this on the road, um, what, what have you got planned for, for the foreseeable spring and summer? Well, uh, with the album coming out in... Uh, I, I think it's about three weeks. Yeah. Um, that what we're doing now is looking for opportunities to get it heard by more people. Yes. Um, and in the meantime, we're planning more shows in New York, but we would like to take it on the road. It, it's a debut, so we're kind of starting from ground zero, and and so you know the the idea is that. We're, we're hoping to reach a wider audience somehow, and we're investigating opportunities therein. Um, but I think for now, uh, telling all of our friends, asking them to tell their friends, and, uh, there's, a, there's a bit of a PR push in the state, and, and we're hoping that exposure through playing shows will, will be helpful. Yeah. And hopefully we can double our audience in the next. Uh, the next album. I would certainly hope so because uh, I want to share this obviously with, with my listenership and, and I'm really looking forward to doing so. Um, I wanted to also ask you because it's very complex uh, lyrically uh, the record um, I, I love 
you know, as much as I, I, I love the arrangements, um, I'm, I'm impelled as a bit of an OCD um, uh, lyric individual, whereby the worst thing, the worst case scenario for me was pre-internet when you heard a song and, and uh, the, the lyrics weren't in the liner notes and you'd forever be in ignorance. It was, it was almost like a cruel torture. Um, not, yeah. not, not so with your lyrics, mainly because A, they're comprehensible, and if they weren't, I'd be able to find them anyway. Um, but can, could we just touch upon, because of uh, the audience being uninitiated, uh, the importance of and who is Francis? Yeah. I know it's, it's a, a vague it's question. A few years ago, uh, I was walking in the Lower East Side, and I stumbled upon or came upon uh, a suitcase. Normally, I don't pay them any mind for many reasons. Um, but this one, uh, I decided to kind of tip it over and kick it open to see what might be inside. Um, and there was a book. And it, I started thumbing through it, and it became pretty clear right away that it was written by a, a young woman and that it was uh, written some time ago. Um, and I think I just put it under my arm and ran away as if I found a treasure of some sort. And I guess her, her diary, which is what it amounted to, uh, was very familiar to me. I had not been in the city very long, and I think when you move to New York with no money and no friends, I think you probably have, no matter who you are, you have a... a a similar experience, and I—I uh, I, I guess that I felt it felt easier to write about her experience than my own, and also for this reason, it seemed to make sense to replace myself with Cece uh, on on the vocals to, to tell the story. Not so much tell the story, but to to have the diary inform the lyrics and. And they're intertwined, or perhaps occasionally juxtaposed with our own experiences. Um, and so we give her a voice, and it's very much the album is very much a ghost story. Yes, I would say. Yes, um, because we felt we felt connected to her, but I've never met her and don't know who she is or where she is. It's a fascinating. It's a fascinating premise, and really, uh, to to my knowledge. It has no precedent, and for that reason alone, and forgive me for saying this, even if the, the album was nonsense, which it absolutely isn't, it would hold a place in, in, in my musical history anyway. Uh, the, the subject matter and, and the genesis of, of the content and the lyrics, uh, I find more than, more than puzzling, more than, more than, uh, more than fascinating, and, and immensely interesting. And uh, have you... I suppose it's very difficult for you to, to appreciate the gravity of what you've done. It really is quite a unique piece of work based upon uh, this recitation, almost. I'm glad you like it. It's, it's, um, I, it's, I, don't, I don't think, you know, we, obviously there's not going to be an opportunity to do anything like this again. No. Um, in, in a way, it's difficult to follow it because it, it, was a, it is a one-off. Um, and it's... It, I think opportunity was the right word for it. Yeah, it was just purely happenstance, and uh, you can you can go back in time and go over the what ifs and wherefores. It happened, and uh, 
it's great that it did, um, and it's your first body of work, and it can't be taken away from me. I just, I just found the story fascinating, and, and, and as you quite rightly say, I, I, I sort of quantified the, the, the body of work as a ghost story, and, and, and not, not a sinister one, but a beautiful uh, one of, of sharing uh, emotions and experiences. And uh, as I say, I can't uh, think of anything that remotely compares to to the trajectory of the of the writing of this record as to as to what actually did happen. It's it's fascinating. I, I think that's a really good way to put it. Is that it's a sharing of experiences. It's not a concept album. You know, it's not Ziggy Stardust or or Berlin. God God knows I'm in, totally <laughs> incapable of writing anything like that. But it it is informed by you know by mutual experiences. And the language, uh, I think, perseveres throughout, um, and, and the themes are, are recurring. So uh, I would, I would not that it's not entirely necessary, but I would ask that when people listen to it, that they obviously listen to it all the way through, because they might be able to um, have a richer experience. I agree. I agree. I think I think there is a, there is obviously merit in listening to the individual songs. But uh, it very much is is, an, is a whole LP, and, and I encourage everybody to listen it, to it from, you know, from the, the self-titled uh, lead track "New York Howl" all the way through to, to "You Can Be Normal," which which leads me to it's another question, David. Um, I'm wondering, not not because I'm lazy, but I'm just wondering if you'd like to choose the three songs to surround the interview, i.e., pick the three song three songs off the LP that you'd like me to to play. Sure. Well, I I would have to uh, endorse the, the first two singles, um, New York Hall and Rock Band. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I, a song that I I really love off the album that's not being released as a single, perhaps, um, and that is "It's Got Me You." Ah. Uh, I'm very fond of. Um, Chris, you don't feel the same way, but I have a uh, it. it it's, Maybe it's the only song that I can actually listen to as a as a listener. I don't know if, if you've ever, you know, if you write something. Yeah, I understand. Not a song or poetry. It's hard to be um, the objective, but that one I can I can relax when I listen to it. As if it wasn't it wasn't from London Flame, but by somebody else. I'm not exactly sure why that is, but. Well, it just is, and you, and you can't you can't argue it. And it's lovely to be able to, because I know I know a lot of artists have difficulty in listening to their own material for that, you know, for the very reason that it is, you know, it's a, it's almost a diary of months of blood, sweat, and tears, and, it, and it's and you've moved on ultimately because you produced it and then you're working on something else. But it, it's it's interesting that you know only one of the ten you can you can listen to in that capacity. But um, it is what it is. Not not fond of that expression, but in this instance, I think it's applicable. So we've got we've got uh, very well so we've got New York Hell. Actually, we've got the first three songs off the album, haven't we? Yeah, essentially, because the the, the, sing, the singles are the singles are tracks one and three. Yes, I just <laughs> click play and go, go, okay, go get myself a drink. Um, I've got one last question for you, and, and it's it's entirely unrelated to to your your talent and, and the wonderful product. Um, I ask this to everybody. Uh, you're around my place after a successful gig and uh, all six of you got a nice hot beverage in your hand and I come out with the biscuit tin. Uh, the only caveat being is that it's a magic biscuit tin, David, and you can choose any biscuit and, you know, obviously Americans' cookies. 
any biscuit, cookie or derivative, past, present or future, what would you choose? Any cookie or cookie derivative, past, present or future? Yeah, I mean, I mean, literally it's a very, very broad spectrum. So you'd be amazed how, how artists have tried to push the envelope on this one. So anything that is, is resembling a cookie or a biscuit, past, present or future, what would you go for? I'm. Uh, I, I'm not sure if this is a, a euphemism or not. <laughs> it's absolutely not. I have. I have a very articulate uh, infographic whereby I marry every artist I interview uh, with their biscuit of choice. So you're not. You're not being thrown under the bus here. This is a legitimate question. It, it, interesting. Interesting. Well, uh, I'm uh, in this in this sense. Uh, it's very easy for me. I grew up in a Norwegian household. Oh. And. And my mother uh, is brilliant at baking. Fantastic. And so my, my biscuit would be Kronfetake. Okay, you're going to have to email me that. I, don't ha I hope you don't have to spell it. Well, I, I, I'm going to have to, and I'm going to also have to find an image, because I don't muck around with my infographic. It's beautiful and articulate. So I'm going to have to rely upon you to try and at least email me the spelling so I can source this wonderful biscuit. You will, you'll know more than you need to know about Constantinople. Okay, please, I'll please, tell you everything. please do, please keep me well informed and I will in turn reciprocate with you as the latest edition on, on, the, on the Magic Biscuits and Infographic, which is a little side project that seems to have gained a, a, a stupid amount of momentum and it's a little bit of fun as well. So thank you, thank you for, for playing along because it's, uh, it's, as I say, it's got its own, own little life and it's, uh, it's a fun little feature. But in the, mean, in the meantime, enjoy Miami and, and enjoy the warm weather because I'm sure that it's not as warm in, uh, in New York as it is in Miami at the moment. No, it's, I know that it's, at least tomorrow it's going to be rainy and miserable. So I'll take a hop in the ocean for you. Okay, and please do. A, have a, a tropical cocktail. Yeah, have a mojito for me. I'd be very grateful. And, in, and I'll, be in touch, I'll be in touch in the next few days with all the details of the upload. But in the meantime, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And... Uh, Let's hope that we can double, triple, quadruple the audience for this record. It's a brilliant piece of work. Thanks for sharing. Nice talking with you too. All the best. Talk Cheers. soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. Well, that's David throwing a real spanner in the works when it comes to my biscuit infographic. Had to go and source down this biscuit that uh, I'm going to remind myself what it's called, actually. I don't want to make a fool of myself more than usual. Kransenkaka. Whatever that means. Kransenkake. Norwegian cake, which does qualify just marginally as a biscuit. Let them get away with it. Anyway, what a wonderful chap. Great band. One more song to listen to that appears on the latest and greatest, their, their debut record, New York Hell. Here's a song that he also chose, If It Got Me You.
with a remix version of Graceland. Now, this uh, particular album was released in 1988 called Eureka, their second LP. And uh, Graceland was the first single, although it was on their second LP. Prime Mover, uh, Boo Hewardine, uh, featured in the band, as did uh, one of Kirsty McCall's brothers, uh, Neil McCall. Also, uh, Callum used to be in the band, Callum McCall, but is no longer. Uh, Kirsty's third brother, Hamish, was not involved at all. This particular remix version appears on the reissue of 
the the LP concerned Eureka by Cherry Red in 2012. And again, that was the Graceland remix by The Bible from 1988, originally 2012, in terms of its remix release. It's time now for this little feature. That is piercing, isn't it? Anyway, you know what that means, don't you? It's Tinterweb time, kids. It's uh, our weekly delve into uh, the wonderful World Wide Web. This instance, imper- Impermeable Records. Crack, I'm difficulty talking this week, aren't I? Impermeable Records. So you can go to them at impermeablerecords.bandcamp.com. They've got this wonderful record out called CD16. Um, it's not new. It's uh, from 2016, around about Christmas time. I have mentioned it before on the programme, but uh, I want to bring it to your attention again because it's riddled with gems. Wonderful bands such as The BVs, A Certain Smile, Eva and John, The Golden Eves, Lilit Blanc. It's just fantastical. 22 tracks in all, and it costs you Sweet Fanny Adams. Nout, nada, nish. So go to the website and get yourself this wonderful 22-track LP, which is... A homage, a homage, a tribute to the old C86. Uh, even the packaging is uh, is paying tribute to the old C86 packaging, the NME, wonderful LP and cassette that came out way back when. And uh, you can uh, pick it up, as I say, for nothing and uh, digitise it and chuck it into your iTunes and Bob's your uncle. So that is Impermeable Records, uh, the wonderful compilation that they're offering for Nout CD16. Remaining to be attended to, Anthony Gray. Burning Ferns. Before we talk to him, let's hear a couple of tracks by Burning Fern, shall we? Let's start with this. Go on, make me.
Burning Ferns, track as chosen by Anthony himself. And that is a song that you've just heard entitled, go on, make me. And that's off Public Mono, their second and brand new record. Their first album uh, was released in 2013, entitled Seesaw Scene. The URLs that you need to be aware of are www.countrymile.org, the label that they're on, facebook.com slash burning ferns. And you can go to SoundCloud and just keyword them in there because they've got a numeric url here which uh, you will not be able to put to memory so let's hear one more song before we get into the interview and in this case another song as procured chosen by tony himself made of the sun Somebody is in need 
track two by Newport's finest, Burning Ferns, Made of the Sun. Now over to me and a chat I had very recently with Anthony Gray. And he's going to tell you all there is to know about Burning Ferns. Back soon. How, how are things with you? Uh, very good, thanks, yes. Excellent. Well, so, you must be very happy because you're getting an awful lot of uh, very, very positive buzz, especially the last two or three weeks. It's been very busy for you. Yeah, it's been fantastic, really wonderful seeing such positive, you know, responses coming back to the album. It's, it's great, you know, when you put that amount of effort in and, you know, you, you can feel the love from yeah. people. It's fantastic, you know. Yeah. That's what it's, <laughs> it's palpable. I mean, as, as someone who's, you know, f- followed your, your career, um, it's, it's lovely to see you getting the recognition that you so, so so deserve and and it's not just from the record buying public it's from from fairly prominent uh, prominent DJs and shows who are, who are who are finally appreciating that this is a this is quite a body of work and um, how, how do you feel uh, with regards to the, the greater whole the sense of accomplishment with public mono versus seesaw scene um, I feel really quite proud of it, to be honest um, I think it is a step up, you know. Um, we definitely thought outside of the box with public a lot more. And we used um, our experience from Seesaw Scene to, you know, just create something that we knew was going to be um, better on quite a few levels, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that. I mean, that's, of course, everything that you said there... Uh, has no disrespect for Seesaw Scene, but you know, it's a debut record, and, and of course, uh, as artists, you want to progress and learn and, and evolve. And uh, this record wouldn't have happened without Seesaw Scene, obviously. Uh, absolutely, absolutely correct. Uh, you know, you've got to bear in mind that we, um, we record this stuff ourselves in our own studio. Yes. So it's, it's, you know, you're learning while you're recording. You know, um, and actually, I don't want to detract from. Seesaw Scene is an accomplishment because I've dealt debut album we were all really, really pleased with how that came out as well. Yes. But you realise so much, you know, you realise so much from that experience. And it's stuff that you want to take away and apply to, to, to the next experience, you know. Absolutely. And, 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 and that's a great sentiment to have because it's a, it's, a, it's a perpetual learning process. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how, uh, how prominent you are, how successful you are, if you're not learning in the studio and learning on, on a daily basis when it comes, comes to songwriting and music, it... Uh, there's something wrong with you uh, because it's it's impossible to, to to get a tangible grip on everything. But with this record, Public Mono, it really it really belts it out. And I know that you must be sick to death with with ardent records and big star references and, and teenage fan club references. But in terms of in terms of what what I would deem the the perfect pop song formula, with with these wonderful harmonies, three-part harmonies, middle eights, and God forbid you've even got Hammond organ in there as well. Um, it's a beautiful modern record that evokes a lot of uh, the classic sound. And I'm just wondering, I mean, obviously you, you, you're very aware, well aware of these bands that I just name-dropped and, and you probably know them better than I, but is it a concerted effort for you to, to, to have this song structure that, that is so, uh, I wouldn't say formulate because that's an insult, but it's it's no it's it's a noticeable format whereby it's almost a lost art form the way that you've written the songs on public mono. Yes, I'm really glad you asked me that, Gary. Um, 
Yes, I, I believe that the constraints of pop uh, songwriting actually help with creativity. You know, if I didn't impose constraints, I'd end up doing three, four jazz or <laughs> Twenty-five minute double bass solos, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I don't think I don't think constraints are a bad thing. I think the pop form is really beautiful. It's beauty and simplicity. Yes. And so much more beauty be extracted from it. And you don't have to be formulated. It doesn't have to be formulated. You can still surprise the listener in many, many ways. You know. Yes. Because um, the parameters, the parameters aren't aren't rigid. It's 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 a it's a really broad spectrum. But but there are parameters nevertheless. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, and I thank those parameters. I'm glad they exist. Yeah. Well, they're they're your uh, they're your barometric reading, and they're what reel you in, and uh, they're also, I would imagine, there to not drive you insane because at some point you've got to let go, and it's got to be final product, hasn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. You've got to you don't know when to stop. It helps you to know when to stop. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, a lot of people aren't, aren't that well versed at actually knowing when when too much is enough. Absolutely, but it can. I mean, it comes from many places. There are those constraints, obviously. You know, there's a, it's about how we brought up listening to music, just as much as anything else. You know, the radio was on all the time. My brother was a massive influence. He was constantly bringing singles on. You know, and I think I was brought up listening to seven-inch singles. Yes. I was brought up listening to Radio One, and then eventually John Peel show. Um, and you know, it's. I think it's very strong pop culture in Britain and pop song form is, you know, is, is just part of my DNA. I agree 100%. And it's really hard being, being British away from home to try and impress upon people that pop music is not Beyonce as they would construe it in North American. Pop music is a very diverse, well-schooled, multi-dimensional medium whereby uh, there are going to be throngs of people who are going to be losing their shit, excuse my expression, with ABBA coming back and holding them as valid a pop writer as Alex Chilton and, and being being able to do so with, with, with a deadpan expression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally agree. Yeah. It's, it's lovely. And this, this really is, I mean, again, it's, it, it's, it's a power pop record and, it, and it's a joy to listen to because... Uh, well, well you, you teased it in November with, with Bullet Train, and, and we thought, uh, I thought to myself, my goodness me, if this is any indication of, of what's forthcoming, and of course Fuse's Blow wasn't exactly a slacker either. Um, it really, it was a really, uh, it was a really good way to, to get us, uh, get us uh, a little bit G'd up for, for, for the forthcoming LP. And I would imagine that a lot of time and effort went into choosing which track you would release prior to the, the LP. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bullet Train was a really strong contender because we did kind of step out of the box again slightly that way because it's a bit of um, it's a bit of a vignette, I suppose. It's like there's a, there's a story song. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, and and it's kind of it, it it doffs his cap to a couple of really important bits of uh, pop influence, you know. The box tops, uh, the letter, you mentioned Alex Chilton just now. Yeah. But it, it, that was definitely a strong uh, influencer for me when I, when I wrote that. Um, and Fuse's Blow kind of goes back even further with a chord progression, so it's sort of, uh, it's a doo-wop influence, chord progression, you know? Yeah. It's a slightly more 50s influence. 
track. Yes, I can. I can definitely hear that. And, and doo wop is is is, is, is the uh, the expression I was fumbling for. That that exact that nails it. I think. Yeah, well, I mean, it's 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 fantastic being able to, um, you know, use these different bits of history as influence, but make it. I don't want it. There's a lot of bands out there who do this, and it turns out to sound. It sounds like a pastiche. Yeah, it's know? very contrived, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That's what I don't want to happen, and neither do the rest of the band. Um, I think when I read reviews, and the reviews say. Oh, this you know this um, back back to classic rock and pop tunes, but also um, gives a sense of modernity as well. I feel really that's really pleasing for me because it's exactly what we're trying to do. It must be. It must be because ev- ev- everything is derivative. I mean, a hundred percent as as to what degree and how that how that's interpreted and represented is is entirely is entirely well. There's an infinite uh, infinite uh, uh, amount of permutations, connotations of possibilities with songwriting, but that, that's yeah. that's the sentiment I get. I feel like I'm listening to a very, very mature songwriter who's got influences that he's not afraid to to name drop and wear on his sleeve, yet you've definitely got your own you've definitely got your own style. Um, now with, with the arrival of Dave Corton for, for the second LP, how did that change the dynamic in in addition to obviously it being your second LP? Yeah, it changed the dynamic tremendously for us because it brought in um, a guy who's ostensibly multi-instrumentalist, you know. Yeah. He's, he's got fantastic previous experience with other bands. Um, he's a great vocalist, he's a really great guitar player, he's also a keyboard player as well. He's, um, he can play the bass, you know. So what it's allowed to do is to um, sort of swap instruments and change the dynamic of the band around him, but also be able to um, pull off three part harmonies live. Yes. Just keep our sound. We always wanted to make it sound bigger vocally. You know? And Dave um, allows us to do that. Really strong vocals. Yeah, that must um, be magic for you live to be able to, to be able to deliver it as, as you would want to in a studio because you've not had that option before. No, that's right. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Brilliant. And, uh, and Dave came about sort of purely by accident as well because me and Abe. Um, Able the other guitarists and vocalists in the band who now to do um, the O'Leary Sean show <laughs> on Beams Wales about um, four years ago now. Yeah. And that goes to us, Dave was listening in and um, he just he just tweeted his enthusiasm while we were playing. And I saw this tweet and I was like, oh, I don't know that guy. Um, and then Brock was due uh, on his first child and need, he needed to find. Um, a substitute bass player, and Dave was just the obvious choice. He just called Dave. And went, Dude, you know, <laughs> you seem quite like the films. Do you want to have a go and do this? <laughs> and he, he was like, "Yes, yeah, sign me up. I'm doing it." And then, of course, when Brooke came back, you know, because Brooke's a tremendous bass player, we let Brooke go. Um, when Brooke came back, Dave moved from playing the bass to playing. Um, everything else. <laughs> everything else, yeah. Being acoustic and, and, uh, and backing vocals. And, you know, it's just opened everything up. So we've got a vista of potentiality in front of us now. Yeah. About, uh, you've got, you've like, got, and also, like, for recording texture as well. It's brilliant. Well, that's what I was going to say, the recording texture. I mean, you're obviously using more tracks on the board now because you can. It's, uh, it's mm-hmm. going to get deeper and more, get more intricate. Now, when it comes to um, production, um, 
you, you worked you worked with Richard Jackson. Yeah. And um, experientially, how was that? And what's going to happen in the future when it comes to uh, the, the, the next new material or, or anything that you might have planned to record uh, imminently? Will Richard still be a part of the mix? Well, I hope so, because um, he's like um, he's like our sixth member. You know? Yeah. He just knows our sound so well. Um, and we've all got history as well. He's, but we're all good mates, you know. And Richard's also a good mate. Um, and when you're trying to put stuff together, that really matters. It's like really important. The, the, the friendship element of what we're doing is massively key to our son. Yes. You know? Yes. You can't, a band's like, in our view, a band should be a band, you know? a band of people who all get on with each other. Music's communication, communicating with each other. The better you communicate with each other, the better you play. And the same goes with production. If you can communicate with somebody on a level, with no bullshit involved, sorry, this one. Oh, no, you um, can swear to your heart's content, though, no worries. Um, you know, it's, it makes the whole process more fluid, more natural. There's no political crap going in the way. Yes. And you, can, you can do what you want to do, you know. Well, it's. I've said this to many bands who've been lucky enough to, A, uh, be, be friendly, you know, amongst themselves, uh, but, but very importantly, be able to align themselves with either a producer or a series of producers who just get them. That in itself is, is the holy grail for a lot of bands, to be able to find that conduit for their sound. But once you do, yeah. once you do yeah. find it, you've got to cling to it because it, it, it is the, the realisation of, 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 of all, your, uh, all your hard work at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right. Um, right. So, you know, I'd like to keep that situation going, um, if possible, because... Yeah, like I say, he's another member of the band. Great, and 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 with that, um, I, I know that it's only been five minutes. But is there is there a, another single to, to support the record around the corner, or are you just going to concentrate on promoting the LP proper? Um, at the moment, we're concentrating on promoting the LP. We've done a we, we did a, a live um, a BBC Radio Wales session the other day. Yeah, Long, which was fantastic. You know, Janice Long was like. Uh, yeah, like, I listened to it. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so, so that was great. That was a really great experience. We really enjoyed doing that. Um, so we're going to carry on doing that and, and just writing more new stuff um, and enjoying uh, watching how that unfolds in the studio like the other stuff has, you know? Great. Because um, yeah. that's already started to happen. So. Wonderful. Well, so you've got, you've got, I mean, you're, um, you're a writer, of course, but... Do, do you do you do you write and have a lot of things in reserve? Like, have you got some kind of repository and scribblings whereby you've got the the formative uh, beginnings of, of of new works at your disposal? Yeah, all in various forms. Random yeah. sentences dotted around the place. Believe it or not, <laughs> I believe. And very short, sort of um, sound of like music memos of of riffs and chord progressions. And it, you know, I kind of jam them together, and um, sometimes they turn into something really good. But I'm, <laughs> sometimes I'm, conscious, I'm very conscious of the fact that so sometimes they don't, you know, and um, and it's knowing when they don't. Really. That's the, fact, that's the trick, isn't it? Knowing when it, when it, it's not worth even continuing with. 
Well, yeah, absolutely. You don't have to go and know that it's uh, it's not worthy of what you're trying to do. You know, um, I hope I've uh, I've pulled that off so far. I, I think, want to continue doing so. <laughs> I think no, I think I think you've got a talent for for recognising what's what's worth pursuing and what's worth dropping. That's for sure. I was going to going to talk more about the live aspect because you talked about obviously being able to address three-part harmonies and, and with Dave and the band, it's, 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 a, it's a much more diff, different live experience for you. you you've, you've toured with some pr- pretty pretty cool people, you know, Dreaming Spires, John Lanford, and one, one, of, one of my faves, Martin Carr. Um, are you, um, well, first of all, what was it like uh, touring with Martin? Because I've, uh, I've, I've just followed his career and, and he's just one of those people who I've got a, an immense amount of respect for. Well, yeah, well, you know, Martin Carr's British pop studio, isn't he? Yeah. You know? Say them all. He's a total legend. So, um, the one the, the, the one great thing for me was the one night, so we turned up and, and he was sound checking and he had this Gibson guitar it's fantastic um, vintage Gibson and he was doing the sound check, he plugged it in and, uh, and the socket went. Um, um, and he asked to borrow my guitar. And I was like, yeah, of course you borrow my guitar. Um, and that was, it was fantastic watching him do stuff with my guitar. Yeah, that must have been kind of surreal watching someone who you respect and who you bought their records, you know, playing your acts. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, at the end of the gig, he he um, very playfully pretended to smash it up against the <laughs> That's that's some scouse wit for you there, I think. Yeah, he came off stage straight to me with the guitar. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Sorry. <laughs> that's fine. That sounds that sounds about right. Yeah. What about uh, what about uh, the next few months? Because I mean, I'm looking out the window now. You'd, you'd be well, you'd be uh, excused for thinking it wasn't spring. But uh, spring and summer's forthcoming, so is festival season, and so is fun and frivolity. Have you got, got a lot of live stuff planned for the next few months? Um, yeah, we're doing uh, a one-day festival in Cardiff on July the 8th, is it? I think it's, yeah. Um, and that's, is, uh, I think it's called Please Mind Your Head. And that's been, that's had some fantastic people on the bill uh, in the past. That's in Club Either Back. Okay. Which is, yeah, that's going to be really good. Um, yeah, we're, we're just hoping for some more slots, really. Yeah. Um, there's word of potentially of a festival happening um, in Winchester, but that's to be confirmed. Um, and also potentially um, a date in North Wales with Adam Walton's band. Okay. Um, that'd be really nice if that came off as well. Have you uh, um, looked into the Salford Music Festival at all? No, I haven't. You should. You, you maybe should, because um, Ed Blaney, uh, who used to be in a fall, he, he puts it on every year, and he's just uh, he's just starting to announce uh, lineups for this year. And I know that they're looking for acts, and uh, it, it's gaining a lot of momentum in Salford. It's it's a really good festival. Okay. That might okay. be something to look into. I think you fit in like a glove. That's the point I'm trying to make. Fantastic. I'm looking at that. Yeah. Thanks, no, no worries. Um, now, there's going to be more shows coming. Uh, I hope to goodness, I hope to goodness that you're going to get some more support from, uh, you know, from domestic DJs who, who, who will, you know, find out about you through Hookabye Crook. Um, when it comes to 
promotion? Is, is it something that you're largely doing yourselves or, or you, have you got an external company to help you with PR? This is, everything we do is pretty much DIY. Yeah. Everything. Nice and old yeah. school. Yeah, we're low cost, um, low cost, high effort. Well, you're also, you've also got a, a very, very loyal uh, social media following and, and um, it's, it's nice to follow the, the threads and the chains and the banter, especially with the new record that, that's gaining a lot of what I'd probably call organic momentum. It's, 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 it's not getting these crazy uh, sort of falsified spikes. It's, it's gaining a nice steady trajectory of growth. And I think that uh, that's pretty good going, considering it's only been out since the 30th of March. You've, you've, you've gained a lot of momentum in four weeks. Yeah, it does feel like that, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, the first thing that came with that was uh, we got a, you know we read through and it was it was just wonderful. It was it was like an essay. That <laughs> <laughs> started the ball rolling. Um, and we've had some, just a, a a string of really fantastic reviews and every review we get, um, you know, a few more people pick up on it. Yeah. But yeah, and it, yeah, you're right. It does feel quite organic. It feels like a lot of the people that are um, responding. On Twitter, of just genuine music fans. Yes, know? yeah, that's so, the sentiment I get. There's a lot of people I'm talking to. Whenever I utter or post something about you, they either yeah. know implicitly who you are, or they're really, yeah. really happy to have been introduced to you because they get it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it's wonderful. You can just tell me what you're talking about. And it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm just so happy for you because it's it's just one of those things where. There are there are genres of music and, and there are bands per se who are deemed unfashionable and the music industry is so fickle that uh, if you can gain any kind of momentum just by doing it old school and engaging people and, and, and uh, treating people with respect, i.e. not putting out uh, 50 singles, not duping your audience, you've done, a, you've done a great job and I would imagine that uh, social media is going to continue to grow for you because... That it's just this one ever ever growing sort of positive vibe, and everyone I've played the record for thus far is is loving it. I was going to ask you uh, if you wouldn't mind to pluck, uh, apart from um, Bullet Train, would you kindly curate three songs off the LP that I'll play around this feature? Yeah, absolutely, no problem. Um, okay, so the first one I'll go for is Make Me. Yep. Yeah. In terms of um, pure guitar pop sensibility is the one I'm most proud of. Great. Um, and it's got a tangential middle eight as well. <laughs> it's, very middle, it's designed to surprise the listener, and I think it works. And, and I'm, I'm really pleased with how it's turned out. That's a great track. It's a great track. Yeah, the guitar sounds are, are, are great on that one as well. Uh, second, which okay, I'm gonna go for uh, Made of the Sun. Okay. Uh, Made of the Sun is actually a more mellow vibe, um, and I really enjoyed the experience of putting that song together because of the instrumental layers we we did with it. Yeah. Uh, the drums in a different way as well. So we got um, brushes added on a kit. Um, and we cracked out the vibes as well. We got some <laughs> right, yeah. stuff going on, and, um, and some Fender Rhodes as well. It was just well, it was great. It was, it was a great experience doing that record. And again, it's, it it turned out to be 
um, better than we ever imagined it would be. No, <laughs> it's, a, it's a killer. It's a killer four minutes, that is. Made of the Sun. Love that. When, when we started playing that one in the studio, we were all like, what is going to happen in this one? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was one of those songs where, where, where you know, you kind of think it's going to go in one direction, ends up going complete, somewhere completely different. It was brilliant. We really surprised it. Well, yeah, and it could have could have been a heck of a lot longer than four minutes as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and third, um, I'm gonna go for Norths and Ones. Okie dokes. And the reason why I go for Norths and Ones is because it's got a, it's got a bit of an edge to it. That track has. It's got a bit of an edge to it, and it's got. Um, uh, lyrically, it's me in a in a in a slightly bitter frame of mind. <laughs> <laughs> so you, yeah, yeah, it's 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 a vocal delivery that's not not usual chip herself. No, it's not. It's not. No. <laughs> um, well, that's okay. But yeah, but 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 also again, I hope it surprises people because at the end it turns into a bit of a. There's a bit of a musical freak out at the end. Yeah, yeah there's a bit of a romp at the end, isn't there? Yeah, with, with some like, layered vocal harmonies and some, uh, even some harmonised guitar leads as well. Superb. Um, it was really enjoyable when put together in the studio. Well, that's three um, three crackers that you chose there that are all very very different in in in, in themselves, <laughs> and uh, and you've also had a little bit more spice by giving us a little bit of a background to all three as well. I could conceivably have played any track and everyone would have been happy, but it was nice that you could that you could choose choose the three. Um, I've got one last question for you, and I was hoping... Well, it's a question I ask everybody. It's completely unrelated to music, and it's semi-flippant, but it is kind of serious at the same time, because I tabulate this. Um, conceivably, you and the lads are around here, and uh, I've got the kettle on, you've got a nice warm beverage. I bring out the biscuit tin. But it's a magic biscuit too. You can choose any biscuit, past, present, or future. What would you What would you plump for? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that is a very British question. <laughs> I know, and it's a stumper too. It's not like you know. You have to think about it. I do. You really got me this one. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for a big roll. Fantastic. Fair play. You you are very, very unique in, in, in your uh, choice. I've been doing this for a long time and I've got this very, very fancy schmancy infographic where every artist is adjacent to a lovely uh, graphic of their particular biscuit. So I will dutifully send you a copy of this uh, this poster where you will be uh, right slap bang next to a figure roll. Thanks so much. I think it's important that biscuits that... It is. You've got to consider your bowel... <laughs> so yeah, you could, yeah, sugar intake and roughage. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Fantastic. That's a very, very adult choice, Tony. That is the fig roll. It's the best of both worlds. It is. It is. And you can dip it as well without there being some uh, consistency issues. Exactly. This is very, very good. Brilliant. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you, and I'm just so happy that that this album is is just gaining, gaining speed day after day. And I'll play my part in hopefully uh, showcasing it to some, some more people. And um, I wish you nothing but success. And um, maybe we could catch up in a few months to see how, uh, see how things have been. Well, that'd be brilliant, Dallas. Thanks very much for your support. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And I'll be in touch with all the details in the next few days. Wonderful. Thanks very much. Cheers. Take care. Cheers now. Bye. Ta -ta -ra. 
succinctly wrap with a bow on top. Thanks very much, Anthony. You now know all the intricacies of uh, of burning ferns. You need to buy the record now, don't you? Played some in the past, played your three tracks today. We'll continue to play their music. Go in and source it. Reminder, countrymile.org, facebook.com slash burning ferns and go to SoundCloud as well to uh, sample their wares before you buy. So, one more song as chosen by Anthony himself. Last song by the wonderful Burning Ferns for this week before I wrap up the programme. Noughts and Ones.
the third of three exceptional songs by Burning Ferns. That was Noughts and Wands. All three tracks I played are featured on uh, their second and latest and brand spanking new LP, Public Mono. Get yourselves a copy, and as a reminder, countrymile.org is where you can get yourselves uh, all the material by Burning Ferns. Now, it's time for me to say goodbye. That's it for episode 80. Do me a favour and uh, recommend the programme to somebody, would you? Please, please, please. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm noticing that uh, my, my pleas are, are making some, some damage, doing some damage. They are... Uh, instrumental in me receiving more and more email on a weekly basis get lots of demos and lots of lots of banter from people around the world which is very very pleasing which means that i'm doing this not for nothing i'm doing it uh, for good reason so thanks for listening it is another wrap back next week ta-ra